Yeah. I think I'll take that. Great. Yeah, we're in the middle of a, a good... Um, put that picture back on. Put that picture back on, please. Where's that picture of me? Just put it back on. That is not a 50-year-old picture there. <laughs> Mr. Holmes. I've got some way to go till I'm 50, and I assure you my wife will get there first. <laughs> She's out there. That's probably... <laughs> That's probably, on, that's probably on podcast now as well. No, it is, it is great to be a, a part of a, a really lively church and uh, a modern church. Uh, a church is not afraid to embrace uh, new things and changes. And uh, also thanks to Stephen uh, for just saying yeah to this great journey that we're on. It is fant- it's a fantastic journey and it has been a journey. And we're part of a, a great uh, series at the moment called Confessions. Uh, and when it was... Um, just, I was asked to uh, speak on confessions. It's a, a scripture that's spoken to you over your life. Yeah. And I could think of two main, two main scriptures to bring up. The, the first one would have been um, when God said to Moses, what's in your hand? Uh, 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 just a word about talents and just using what you have. But I felt God just uh, led my heart to just speak on a different one uh, from Jeremiah chapter 29. Now, most people know this chapter very, very well because there's a great famous verse, verse 11, where God says, I know the plans I have for you. Uh, pretty important for Stephen and Lee right now. Plans to prosper, not to harm. But it's not that verse. Okay, there's something earlier in that chapter I'm going to bring to you. And as it's called confessions, I'm going to get a confession from you guys. Okay, how many of you would confess to having some form of comfort zone? How many of you confess, you just like it from time to time, when life is just easy, there are no ripples in the tide? How many people would confess, come on, put your hands up, let me see, who would have a nice comfort zone? We all have comfort zones. And the idea of comfort zones, sometimes obviously uh, promoted negatively, is that things are easy, things are not a challenge, and it's just plain sailing. But oftentimes, we come across what I'm going to call tonight, discomfort zones. How many people have experienced a discomfort zone? And let's get American. Let's call it the DZ tonight, okay? The DZ, the disc, uh, well, back to the rapping triumph, Jazz. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. <laughs> but in, Je- in Jeremiah chapter 29, there's, there's, a, there's a few verses from the start of the chapter. And if you're going to have the uh, scripture up, please, uh, Robert. It's between uh, verse 1 and verse 7. I'm going to start... It's there somewhere. There we go. There we go. Just from verse 4. It's to those who are carried away captive, who are caused to be carried away. So many of us are in comfort zones. And just to give you a bit of background, a bit of story to what's going on here in Jeremiah, the, the children of Israel, the Jews, they've been carried away to Babylon. They've been carted away. Why? Why were they carted away? Well, because they spent many, many years just doing their own thing. There's a very sad verse in the book of uh, Judges where it says everyone did what was right in their own sight. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? They were ignoring God or, even worse, they were just paying lip service to God. They were happy to go to the temple and just give their sacrifice, but there was no meaning behind it. There was no heart behind it. There was no belief or faith behind it. In fact, many of them were happier to go to the pagan rituals that involved blood and all sorts of other stuff uh, and all sorts of Stuff you really don't want to go into, but the children of Israel preferred sometimes to go that way. And as a result, they were carted off to Babylon. 
And then here we have a discomfort zone. Because the people of Israel are not in the place they want to be. But here's something really special about this, this chapter. And in verse 1, in the New King James, it says, The word of God to the remainder. They're still in Babylon, but the remainder to the elders, to the priests, to the prophets. And what we find through the course of history, through church history, whenever you think it's dark, whenever you think the powers of darkness are stacked against you, there is always a remnant. And you might think tonight that Mansfield is a pretty dark place, but you're sitting with a remnant. You're sitting with the remainder. Those people who still have an ear to hear what God is saying. And right through the Bible, right through church history, there's always been a remnant. There's always been a spark. I've got an open fire at home. And if it's been dying down, it doesn't take much more than a spark or a bit of smoldering ember for me to get that fire going again. And that's what's happening here in this chapter. I'm just going to give this in three bite-sized chunks you maybe to, to uh, uh, perhaps reflect on later from these first few verses. Look at the position of the people, the principle behind it that God is trying to teach them, and some practical things that we can work out in our own daily lives moving forward. You've heard that song, haven't you, by Boney N, By the Rivers of Babylon. It's a song where, where we sat down and we wept when we remembered Zion. Okay, the psalmist did it first. It wasn't Boney M. But there was a real sense of sorrow because they suddenly, in this discomfort zone, they suddenly remembered, actually, maybe things weren't that bad back there. Maybe things weren't terrible. I've had a, a situation recently where someone's left, left the company that I worked for. Uh, on the way, they bagged me pretty seriously as I was going out the door. And then, hey, presto, a couple of weeks later, I get an a, a, a email. I made a mistake. I missed what I was doing. And these guys, oh, we made a mistake. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and we wept. You see, I've heard many preachers, and Christian did it last week. He looked out amongst the people. He said, you people are beautiful. I've got something different tonight. When I look out here, do you know what I see? I see a load of aliens. Some of you don't seem to be that impressed that I'm looking at you as an alien. But the Bible describes us as aliens because we are not of this world. We are not belong, we don't belong here really. Who feels like in their workplace when they get to the canteen and the conversation takes a certain route, you know you don't belong there? How many people know that? How many people know when you're in just certain contexts, when the conversation is this way, people are just saying things, people are doing things, you know, deep inside, you don't belong there. Because the Bible says we are not of this world. I have it. In the, in the company, when things are going a certain way, you know, you have it at school. I just knew, even as a teenager, that I, I was different to the rest of the guys. I had a different set of values that I lived to. When I got to college, it became even more difficult, because at college, it was anything goes. Whatever you believe, mate, that's fine by you. It became even actually more difficult to be a Christian. But I always knew I was not of this world. I was an alien. I am an alien. You guys, you're all aliens. How's that feel tonight? You're an alien. You're beautiful aliens. There we go. Rescued that one. Every time I see that rainbow flag raised again for a certain part of society, I just know 
I'm not of this world because it sits uneasy with me. I don't like what I'm hearing in society. I don't like the secular agenda because I know I'm not of this world. I am an alien. You know, that's why we come to church every week. We hear that, that uh, verse often from Ephesians 4.11. Why God gives us pastors and prophets and pastors and teachers, evangelists. It's to equip us for good works that we're ready to face each week as not belonging to this world. But of course, just like the, uh, the Jews, there may be a reason why you're in that discomfort zone right now. Sometimes it's because we're wayward. Anybody want to confess to being wayward now and again? Would anybody like to confess to being disobedient? See, my hand keeps going up, disobedient now and again. Would anybody like to confess to ignoring God now and again? Yeah. And occasionally, God has to bring us to a place where we feel distinctly uncomfortable because we've stepped out of his will. We don't belong there. That's not a place we belong. Sometimes it's a place God brings us to because he wants to stretch us, because he wants to grow us. So sometimes our discomfort zone is placement. It's God putting us somewhere so he can say, right, I'm going to stretch a bit further. Jazz has led this, this evening really, really well. It's a place of discomfort. I saw him outside. He was preparing. He was getting ready. Why was he getting ready? Because it's not something he does every day. It's a place of discomfort, but it's still a place where you can stretch. It's still a place where you can grow. And there's been guys of this year, we, as an eldership Christian, and Phil brought us to the, uh, the idea of helping out in Beth Shan in Manchester. Yeah. Boy, that's been a discomfort zone. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, the guys around the church, and the guys, I'm, I'm meaning girls as well, the guys around the church just have to step up to the plate in leading, in, in bringing words to the church, whilst Phil and Christian are also busy encouraging in Manchester. It's a great thing, isn't it? That sometimes God puts us in a place to stretch us. That's the position we're in. You know, I'm looking up the word honing earlier on. I know what the word hone means. It means to just sharpen up, to just to trim off the edges. But the word honing is related to sharpening things, but with a finer uh, grain on the, on the stone. Because you might make the blade, but to get it really sharp, you need to hone it. And honing only happens under pressure. You can't hone something generally. Honing, sharpening, only happens under pressure. And sometimes God places in those things because he wants to sharpen us and get us uh, to a different gear, to a different speed. And right now, we're at the cusp of a, an, another new chapter in Arena Church with the arrival of Stephen and Lini. And Stephen, you're going to go through a zone of discomfort very, very shortly with a third child and moving house and coming to a new church. It's going to be a great zone of discomfort because God is really going to stretch Stephen and his family and he's going to stretch us as well into something new. Sometimes that new position is because of displacement. Like I said, sometimes it's we ignore God. And who knows that when you neglect God, the battles are far more difficult. Who knows that when you disobey God, sometimes we actually lose the battles because we go against what God is wanting for us. So that position is really important. We have a choice. And I've been a Christian a long time. I've been around a lot of many, many, many churches. And when people are in this discomfort zone, you've got a choice. And Julie was talking about attitude this morning. We have a choice. We could become isolationist. You see, we have this, this love of God inside. We, we hear the word of God and there's some people who think, that's great, I'm going to take it to a monastery and I'm going to study it. And that's isolation because those monasteries, those convents, although they did some good things as well, so don't get me wrong, but those people were shut away from the world they were meant to be changing. And of course, more recently, we have the, the separatist churches. 
So churches who heard the message, but every Sunday, probably the only day they open, if you were to watch the doors open, the only people who walk in are Christians. The only people who walk out are Christians. Nothing's changed. The community stays the same because they become separatist. It's almost like Star Trek. They're just waiting for the second coming, so beam me up Scotty time. That's really sad, isn't it? It is funny, but it's also tragic that churches can just get that way. It's separatist. They've got the message. They don't want the discomfort. They don't want to be stretched. They don't want to be moved. And unfortunately, a lot of those places are closing. The kids make too much noise in the service. That guy sat in my seat. Who said it's your seat anyway? Or we've got a choice. The other choice we have is we can become embedded. You remain who you are. Because some churches have become integrated. And I don't know if you've seen these churches. They've become so integrated to society around them, you can no longer distinguish them as a church. Because they've watered down what they believe just to fit in with the locality. I don't believe that's a pathway for Arena Church. I believe Arena Church is embedded into the community. We are who we are. Yes, we are different. Yes, we are aliens. We are strange because the things we say in here are different to the things you're going to hear just across the passageway in the bar. It's going to be different. But we are here for a reason. We are embedded to make a difference. Because not only do we have the position we're in, and Christian last week preached half a message as well, last Sunday. Because in James it says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Because, why because? Because the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its good work. So these guys are sat by the river of Babylon weeping, waiting for the word of God. How long are they going to be there? Now we have the benefit of hindsight. We know they're going to be there for 70 years, but they don't. How long am I going to be here? How long do you have to wait till we can return to our homeland? How long till this punishment is over? Joseph's family were in Egypt for 400 years. The principle in this scripture, let's just have the verse up again, Robert. There we go. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Carry on. Just move on to the verse 6 as well for me. And take wives and sons and give your daughters husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. The principle of this scripture is, even in a zone of discomfort, God still requires you to grow. In fact, the very first command in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, he said to Adam and Eve, go forth and multiply. The very first commandment. This was before sin. This was before the fall. The instruction was, be fruitful. Be fruitful. And whatever zone you're in tonight, whether you're in a comfort zone or a discomfort zone, I really hope you're in a discomfort zone right now. I really hope the Holy Spirit is speaking to you because you can still grow in that zone. So what do we do to uh, prepare for growth? We can build and settle. Now, I'm not talking about settling as just getting used to the humdrum. God was saying here, build houses. When I first came to Arena Church, must be, I've lost count now, but seven or eight years ago. I came from a different church. I came still energized for the work of God. But I bought a tent. I bought a tent. And I wanted to live in my tent. I was in Arena, happy to be in Arena. It wasn't called Arena then. I was happy to be there. Unfortunately for the leadership, they knew I was in a tent. 
they had a feeling that I might actually disappear any time. And it wasn't until I started to build foundations at Arena Church that then I could start working. And I think it's really, really healthy. Because I could have flipped with my family at any time and moved on to a different place. In fact, I nearly did. There were some, some offers came along for other churches. But they didn't, they didn't work out. But when I started to put foundations in to build on, that's when Phil and Christian started to build some trust in me. Say, so, right, okay, let's see where this can go. Let's see where this relationship can go. Let's see what we can build on. Because I put the tent away. And started to build foundations. Building for growth. We've gone through growth this year, haven't we? It's been one of our themes of the year of growing, of knowing God, finding freedom. You see, you can still find freedom in this discomfort zone. You can still find your purpose in a zone of discomfort. When things aren't going right, you can still find out what God has planned for you. In fact, I would say you're more likely to find out what God has planned for you in a zone of discomfort. Because that's the point when you have to rely on God. You can no longer rely on yourself. You see, the other thing God says is, Plant. Plant things and eat of their fruit. Now I know in, in England, if we want a, a fruit tree, you buy a fruit tree that's half grown already and we, we stick it in an allotment and before too long, maybe a maximum a year, we've got apples. But if you're going to start a tree from scratch, it's going to be 10, 12 years until you start to eat that fruit. That's planting for growth that's planting for longevity because you still need to eat there's no mcdonald's on this on this journey there's no quick fixes there's no fast one we're here for the duration and you might say well actually they don't belong in babylon you're quite right but whilst they're there the command is to grow so build houses plant and eat and it says marry and i'm going to paraphrase it marry and have kids God is so desperate for us to have relational connections with those around us. Now, the Bible doesn't say that we're to marry Babylonian kids, okay? So just don't, before you come up and burn me at the stake later on for a heresy. But the fact was, have kids, have grandkids. The, the word says it. Your sons and daughters. Give them away in marriage. Let them have sons and daughters. This is long term. This is not a flash in the pan. This is not zoom, zoom, in and out. Like some of the reps I work with. They're happy for the deal, then they move on for the next deal. We're not like that. Arena Church is here because we believe we can make a difference in Mansfield. We're not here just to play. We're not here just to dabble. We haven't brought a guy down from Scotland via South Africa and Brazil and Florida and everywhere else because we believe we're here for just a short while because we know God wants to do something great in Mansfield. Like I said in James... The testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience produce its work. And you might be thinking right now, Andy, yeah, the penny is starting to fall. I don't feel comfortable in my job right now because I'm, I'm surrounded by people who just haven't thought for God. That's fantastic because you've got such a chance to grow. You have a chance to become their pastor where they are. Because some of them may never come here. And if you work in a context like me, you work all over the country. Those guys are never going to see Arena Church, apart from when I appear in their meeting. Then they'll see Arena Church. Then they'll see someone who knows what it is to be stretched. And sometimes, yes, it's scary. I've been in the bars at night when the conversation has gone a certain way. I've been walking past the clubs when the guys said, right, we're going in this club. I know what sort of clubs I'm talking about, guys. At that moment, I make a growth choice. 
because I'm not going in there. I'm going to return to my hotel and get a good night's sleep. It's true, it happens. I know some Christian guys who've not taken that step of growth. They followed their colleagues. And unfortunately, the worst thing has happened in those cases. So guys, I'm just giving it out, giving it straight. There's only discomfort when people go, why are you disappearing about your hotel room? Different standards. Yeah. I don't believe in that stuff. I don't have to say it. I just have to do it and just get out of there as fast as I can go. A bit like Joseph running from Potiphar's wife. So we have the position where we're in that zone of discomfort, where we can be embedded but still growing. We've got the principle that God was teaching that we, we have to grow in that circumstance. And then just a few tips for you, some practicals, how to grow. I've got a very simple monomic for you, and it's fat. We have to get fat, okay? Before Jared says anything else about my uh, physical appearance tonight. <laughs> fat, faithful, available, and teachable. You see, when you're faithful, you put down roots. If you're faithful to someone, you know what it is to endure. If you're faithful, you know what it is to be loyal. If you're faithful, you know all about longevity. And this is what God is asking these guys here. Build houses, plant orchards, grow crops, have grandkids. Be faithful to what I've called you to do. Even that place you think you don't belong. It doesn't matter if you belong. I've heard it said... It's not the location that matters, but the vocation. Should I say that again? It's not the location that matters. It's the vocation. So wherever I am, whatever country I find myself in, the call of my life doesn't change, does it? So if I'm in a coffee shop in Berlin with a colleague, half English, half German, we can still talk about things that matter. If I'm in a meeting room in Stockholm, which, which sometimes I am, I'm still Andy, the guy from the church. And many people ask me on a regular basis about my church because they know who I am. And that can be uncomfortable sometimes. Finding the right words is not going to get you sacked. Because even as a Christian, if you say the wrong words, the door opens and out you go. So it's doing it sensitively. It's doing it with the aid of the Holy Spirit, but still trying to grow. Available. If you're available, it says you're ready You're eager. You're committed to the whatever. I love that phrase here. It's committed to the whatever. Some people around here are specialists. They're great at one thing. And that's absolutely fantastic. Carry on doing it, guys. That's what you're called to do. But there are others amongst us, and I include myself, are more generalists. We're not superb at one thing. But we're committed to the whatever. And this church will grow. The more people that are committed to whatever he says to you, do it. That's when the church will really grow. And finally, remain teachable. Samuel, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, his ministry started with these words, speak, Lord, because your servant is listening. And I would charge Christian as a, as a leader. I would talk to Stephen in the same way. I would talk to Jono and Owen. If you can start your life with speak, Lord, because your servant is listening, then there's only one thing you can do, and that is grow. Samuel became the greatest prophet in the Old Testament because he was able to say, speak, Lord, because your servant has listened. On on that testimony, on that witness, on that declaration, that nation changed from being far from God to having a king 
the greatest king of Israel, King David, who was anointed by who? By Samuel. You see, God has got a, a place for all of you. It's not a location, but it is a vocation. And it's all about growing, that you can grow. Wherever God places you, you can grow. You can put down some roots, you can gain some nutrients, and you can grow. And as I draw to a close tonight, there is a promise in verse 7 of that chapter. And it says there, pray for the peace of that city. For if they have peace, so will you. Just think about that for a minute. They were in Babylon. They were in a city that worshipped idols. They were in a city where rather than having priests speak the word, they had prostitutes. They were in a city where people would sacrifice their kids to the pagan gods. The New Testament says, pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those that spitefully use you. In doing so, you will, pour, you will heap coals of fire on their head. That's not about destruction. That's about the oil of the Holy Spirit. That's about the Holy Spirit burning. And in Babylon, in that place where you know you don't really fit in, you can pray for that city. Because if that city has peace, so do you. There are many dark corners of Mansfield. There are many dark corners of Ilkeston. There are practices that go on that we will never ever agree with as a church based upon our biblical principles. There are avenues we will never go down to integrate, to water down our message. But what we can do, because we're commanded to, is pray for that city, because if they have peace, then so will you. Are you in a discomfort zone tonight? It's not a bad place to be. It's a place where you can grow. Are you having someone persecute you tonight? That is discomforting. That is not nice. That is uncomfortable. But the promise from God is, you can grow. And you can pray. Because they have peace. So are you. Guys, I'm not going to do an appeal. But I am going to offer a challenge. Don't ever stop being of impact to your neighbours. Don't ever stop being of impact to your work colleagues. As uncomfortable as it is sometimes, don't ever stop being who you are in God with your family. Because you... And maybe the closest thing they'll ever get to Christ. Your witness, your testimony, your example. And to close off, the equation is quite simple. The greater the DZ, the greater the chance for growth. Let's pray and then uh, ask the band to come up and they'll finish off the great song.